0: Alright guys, welcome back to night two of Anxiety. My name is Veronica Bullock. I um, love to teach, I'm super excited, although I am nervous, so go figure, right? Um, But I've been coming to Blue Ridge for quite some time and um, have a wild and crazy life. I just became a grandmother a couple weeks ago. I'm so excited, thank you. I haven't met them yet, they live in San Diego, but it was my son and daughter-in-law, they had twins identical twin boys, and I'm like, how are we going to keep them apart? I'm like coming up with all these different ideas of what we can do, right? And not being that, you know, that mother-in-law, but I still give ideas, so we'll see. But hopefully I get to meet them sometime in May, as they're going to make that trip over here. So super excited about that, very different. I don't know how to act, but I'll figure it out, I guess. Um, (laughs) So tonight we're going to talk about anxiety. I actually like to talk about anxiety because had anxiety before, I don't know about you, raise your hands if you're brave, Experienced it quite a bit, right? It's pretty common, actually, Um, but I will tell you, um, I used to be that person that snub my nose up at it because my entire family dealt with it for long periods of time, and this was pre-Jesus, where I thought, your mind is stronger than that, what are you doing? Just get up, go. Then I found out I've lived my entire life in trauma. In survival mode, and so Jesus has a way of kind of bringing that stuff to the surface and, and healing those bits and parts. So I'm excited to share part of our story as um, hopefully you'll learn a couple of new things about anxiety. And um, before we get started, I am going to pray because I do have the tendency of talking super fast. So I'm going to just pray for a second. God, Father, we thank you for who you are, Jesus, how you love us, and how you sustain us. And tonight, while I'm excited to be up here sharing my story, God, I'm nervous, and I don't know if people can hear the shaking in my voice, but I can. So God, I just ask that your spirit come and fill me up, and that you slow the words that are coming out of my mouth, Jesus, so that everything is clear and concise. And Jesus, I ask that your spirit fill this room up, and that you open hearts, and that you soften hearts, so that people can hear the word that you want to share. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Alright, let's get started. So, I found a different definition, but similar, about anxiety, and that is, you guys should have uh, a worksheet on your table, you might want to pull that out, and you do have a couple um, things to, to fill in, but anxiety is the mind and body's reaction to stress, danger, dread, that's a word, or uneasiness. I think it's interesting how it's your mind and your body. It's not just your mind. Um, We need a sense of anxiety, right? Think fight or flight. If there's a real physical danger here, we need to be able to tense up and either fight or run, right? you got to do one of the two things. But when it becomes daily and it's interfering with your everyday activities or it's all-consuming, it becomes unhealthy. And that's when we got to pay attention and do something about it. I like what Crystal had said last week when she had pulled out a scriptural definition. And I'm going to look at it so I don't mess it up. Um, but anxiety is dividing and fracturing a person's being into different parts. Parts like fear, disquieting thoughts, dread or sorrow, grief, those things. I really like that definition too because like she said, it's really raw. And I like because I feel like you can visualize it, right? It's dividing, it's fracturing or shattering your whole person. You don't feel whole when you have anxiety. You feel broken. For me, I felt crazy a little bit. So you don't, you feel like all of these different parts fractured all over the place. I really love that definition, and the fact that it's pulled from Scripture, even better. So keep that in mind as we uh, talk about anxiety and kind of how it impacts us. So a few things I want to share is how does anxiety impact our body? What does it look like? So I've shared some things up here, and this is all stuff that I've experienced. Fatigue, restlessness, difficulty sleeping, irritability. That was probably my, you know, that's the one I excel at. Um, increased muscle aches and soreness. That's odd. Why, anybody want to take a guess as to why that's on here? You said? Because your body's tense up. Right, you're tense up. Also, inflammation. When your body is in that constant fight or flight, it's, it's creating all this inflammation. I thought that was pretty neat. Crystal, that's why my back and legs always hurt, just FYI. Um, the other things being impatient, uncontrollable, worry. Um, with my son being overseas and his wife at home by herself, there has been many, 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 many times that I've worried about things that have not happened, that probably won't happen, and that just, you know, it, it consumes your mind if you're not careful. GI issues, so belly issues, and avoidance. Avoidance is big, I think, because when you realize you have anxiety, you avoid certain situations, even if that's a good situation. So it's very interesting how this, this one word has all of these physical impacts on your body. So it's not just your mind, it's your body as well. So what causes anxiety? Anybody want to take a guess? All right, stress is one. Sorry, go ahead. Trauma, that is true. Stress. Circumstances. You know, they used to say back in the day, buying a house was the most stressful event that you could go through. I don't know if that still rings true, but That's a a type of a a circumstantial situation where you might have anxiety. And what Crystal talked about last week, unmet expectations. This one I think is big for us people who are growing in age and wisdom. You tend to think, my life should be different by now. (laughs) My life should look like this. And like she said, I shouldn't have to suffer or why am I going through this stuff? I was really angry that I had anxiety, very angry. Like, why do I have this? I don't want to deal with this. So I think that's all very interesting that you can have all of these different sources of anxiety and then the impact that it has on your body. It's not a really good thing to have, is it? But yet, more and more people have anxiety. For me, I feel like anxiety, this is the best way that I can describe it. It feels like being stuck in tar. You know how hard it's thick and it's sticky and you can't move, right? If you get one foot in there, you're like trying to get it out, and then the other foot gets stuck, and then you're stuck like this, and then because you're smart, you're reaching down to try and pull your feet, and then your hands are stuck. Yeah. That's what anxiety feels like to me. It makes me feel trapped. No matter what I do, I feel trapped like I cannot move. And no matter where I thought, you know, I made progress one or two days, and then I look, and I'm like, dang it, the tar is further up my leg, and now I've got this hand stuck. It was like a never-ending cycle, and I couldn't get control. But that's how I could express what anxiety feels like to me. <clears throat> All right. So, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Um, back in 2018, me and a couple friends, some of which are in this room, I'm going to talk about you, um, we went on the trip of a lifetime to Italy. I've always wanted to go to Italy. It was a... The trip of a lifetime. We were gone for twelve days. We planned trips where I should say I planned because I'm the <laughs> person um, where we were gonna go in the three different areas, and we chose different Airbnbs. We did all these things that were super fun. We rode planes and trains and did all the things, right? Well, 2018 was probably when um, life was changing for me. My son got married, so he's completely out the house. My sister got married, so she's completely out of the house. She lived with me for a while. So my life was already looking different, and then here we are in a foreign country, and uh, things are just different over there, right? I didn't do Airbnb a lot, so it was all new to me, but there was a couple situations where things didn't feel right, and it took me a minute to gather myself and adjust to the change. Who doesn't like change? Especially when you plan it out, right? That's like, it's not on the schedule. Yeah, and when you go with people that are spontaneous, whoo, the Lord is changing your character as you go, right? <laughs> but it's good. But the one of the last stops was on the coast, and we had picked out this, I say we, I picked out this Airbnb, it looked cute from the website. But we get there, and I thought, this is not cute. This is not good. And so we had to ring the doorbell, and then they let us in, and it was this huge, sink like dungeon door, okay, open and then we walk in and I'm like we're in a dungeon this is not good red flags are going up for me everybody else is like oh we're in Sorrento this is great so as we're walking up the steps I'm looking at all the things creepy stuff on the walls there's no light it's very dark very dim musty right I'm like this I am not staying here this is not cool so I'm like give it a chance give it a chance so we get to the top of the steps Everybody's gone, they're looking at the rooms, doing an eye, and, you know, oh, it's a Victorian theme. Mm-mm. No, it ain't. <laughs> and so, and, and I look, and there's this dude walking out the walls, walking out the walls. There is a secret passageway that comes in. I'm like, I'm not saying it. Like, this is creepy. It's bad, right? Well, that was like red flag number one. So then we go out on the veranda, which has captured everybody because it was a beautiful view, right? You can see the ocean and all these pretty tropical plants. And the little man comes out and put a white coat on him. He's a villainous doctor, okay? White hair, and he just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of walked like this with his hand. And it's all I like, think you know, I'm dead serious, y'all. He's just like this, right? And I'm like, hmm. So he comes out and he's talking to everybody and he's doing all this stuff and I, my body is revolting, it's like, we can't stay here, this is dangerous, this is not good. Well, I see another guy come out and he's on his phone and he's looking at all of us, he's sizing us up. I'm like, he's calling the traffickers, we about to be trafficked in Italy. It's the only logical reason that he's standing in the corner looking at us, talking. I'm like, I'm not staying here. <laughs> I'm dying on the inside. I'm so tense. I'm holding on to my luggage like I am fight or flight. Like you touch me, dude, somebody's going over the balcony. I don't know who it's going to be, and it'll be me. <laughs> tense. Well, I think at this point, the little doctor was <laughs> curious about me because everybody else is like happy, and I'm like standing in the corner like frozen. And they tried to sell me on standing there, they knew I wasn't happy. It wasn't close to the beach you know all these things it wasn't close to the beach I mean here we were gonna die if we stayed there okay we were going to die and so my friends I said we can't stay here I can't stay here like we will die you miss this you miss that like all these red flags and you're like calm oh, on it's not that big of a deal and I'm like we're die. well the last straw a little man comes over and he says I'm gonna need Why? I was like, are you going to take a picture of it? Because that's what they did in Italy, which I thought was strange anyway, and I had to get past that. But he was like, no, I'm going to keep it until you leave. I was like, "Mm, no, you ain't. I looked dead at Crystal, and I was like, red flag, red flag. That's all that I could get out of my mouth.
1: And she's so sweet and kindly leaned
0: over and, like, grabbed everybody's passports. And I was like, I ain't staying here. That's it. We're leaving. I ain't staying here. So then I'm like, physically, we're leaving. I'm not staying here. (laughs) I know my friends, God bless them, loved me through probably what was my first panic attack, right? I shouldn't say that. They were frustrated with me, but they got on their phones and they found us another Airbnb that we could go to, right? Because they could sense that something, it wasn't just me being a diva. It was, I'm not staying here, like I'm leaving. I would leave the pack. I'm not staying here because we will die. To my core, I knew that if we stayed there, we would die. And I didn't know it back then, but now that I'm like, oh, dang, that was probably a real panic attack because, you know, I still think we would have died because the man was creepy. I was like, you keep the money. We don't need money. We, We good. God bless you if you're not trying to murder us, but we out. And then we got in the car and had to drive 20, 30 minutes back the way that we came into a nice little Airbnb that was super close to the beach. And then once we sat down for dinner, shame came upon me. And I felt super ashamed that I had acted that way. And I knew they were still upset, frustrated, right? We just had to drive an hour, and then, you know, I'm like, we're you know, basically like a kid. We're not staying here. Um, but we got dinner, and the whole time at dinner, I'm quiet because in my brain, I've got two battling stories. One is, your friends are mad at you. You've ruined the trip. They're not going to forgive you. The other is, but we had to leave or else we would have died. Like, that's the battling thing. Um, Luckily, they loved me through it. We're still friends to this day, and we did enjoy the rest of our trip in Italy. But panic attacks are real, and I don't ever want to have to have one of those again. But that was just an example of a continued uh, tense situation or a panic attack where, to me, I really felt like if we stayed there, we would have died. I still hold true to that. (laughs) Um, So in the Bible, you read multiple stories of people who have suffered from anxiety. They don't come out and stand on the stage and say, hey, I had this panic attack, you know, when I was in the temple. Or um, they don't define it that way, but the scripture does in some sense. And so let's walk through some of those scriptures because there is a theme. and that theme is that we need to cry out to God for help and that we need to rely on God for help. So I'm gonna put you to work a little bit and you have some fill in the blanks here. Your first verse is Psalm fifty-five twenty-two. Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 34, 17 through 18. You guys got those two fill-in-the-blanks? Cast and sustain. Two good words. All right, Psalm 34. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their trouble. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It's a lot of fill in the blanks. so I'll give you a second. And the last one looks familiar. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast, there's that word again, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, there's a theme here, in these three verses, and something that God spoke to me about in my own journey. And in each one of these verses, it requires an action from who? You. It requires an action on your part, but then it's followed up by a promise or an action from God, right? So if we look at all of these things together, I picked out some words for you. You on this side, God on this side, or opposite way, depending on how you're looking, you need to cast, for looking at that first verse, God is going to sustain. So you cast your fears, your anger, your worry, your doubt, your frustration, your idea that some doctor man's going to kill you in Italy, you give it to Jesus, and he's going to sustain you. The second one is you cry out. You cry out to the Lord. I don't know how you guys feel about crying out, but for me, that's a little sense. Some of the the nights where the anxiety was really bad literally cried out to God in frustration and anger and sadness. He is gonna hear you. He's gonna deliver. He's gonna be close to you, and he's gonna save you. It's a lot of good stuff in there, right? When you are super vulnerable, And you're crying out to the Lord with all your woes. I like that word, woes. And he's right there to hear and to save. The last one is cast again. Cast. And I feel like that's a good visualization of that, right? You're casting the net, but you're casting all your care from him, all your anxiety, all your woes, and he's going to do what? He's going to care for you. So just in these three scriptures, and there's more, there's an action required on your part, and then there's a promise or an action from God where he's going to do something in return, right? And the way that I interpret this is that he is waiting there for us to, to come and be his daughters. For me, somebody who grew up without a dad, I never had that. So I, it took me a long time to call God Father, but now that's what I call him all the time. Because he's a comfort to me, right? You know, April. <laughs> and so I, I use that word quite a lot when I'm praying. So when it says to cast your anxiety on God, how many think that you're just gonna wake up one morning and you can be like, boom, here Jesus, all done? Right? And that he's gonna take it and that all your woes are gonna go away. It's not really how it happens. It's not quite that simple. Right? But we still need to do it nonetheless. It's going to take um, persistence, this is what I've learned with my own journey, a daily surrender and consistency. Again, it's going to take you crying out to the Lord, and then it's going to take an action on your part. It's going to take saying to God, here, you take this, and I'm going to do what I can do that's within my power to move towards healing. Um, And then you got to trust that God hears you, because that's what his scripture says, and that he's going to sustain you, right? And for me, I don't know about you, but I rely on scripture quite a bit, because it's living, and I draw comfort. I can talk to myself. I can be the self-help guru, because I used to be that before Jesus, and it does not get you the same results. As you are surrendering to Christ and rely on Him and His Word. Been there, done that. Um, so what did that look like for me in my journey? So you most of you guys don't know my, my history, and I'll give you a quick one. Lots of lots of childhood trauma. No dad, broken mom, uh, abuse, physical, emotionally, sexual abuse, all the things that could ever happen to a person. Me. Okay? I learned at a young age how to be independent. to be perfect how not to create conflict how to do all these things and only until i turned 38 and surrendered my life to jesus that i realized that i had lived 38 years of my life in survival mode i don't know if you know what that means It's not cool (laughs) and i'm still learning how to depend on people i'm still learning how to reach out when i'm in those vulnerable moments and that's still hard for me to be honest Um, but i'm trying and each day, each month, each year that goes by, even if I've got a new thing, like anxiety now, I know that God's with me, and I know that his intent is that he cares for me, and that he is going to sustain me as I walk through this healing journey. So for me, what did that look like? It meant stop trying to control the anxiety. It meant stop being angry at it, you know, throwing a pity party for myself, like, ah, oh, Jesus, why do I have to go through this? It meant not... I lost my train of thought, not to stop ignoring it, because, you know, it's not here, I don't acknowledge it, it's not here, right? All of those things had to happen, me laying it at Jesus' feet, I had to give all of that up so that I could fight properly. I know that sounds weird, but when I pulled it out of my being, my control, or lack thereof, and gave it to Jesus and said, you know what, I'm so tired, Of doing this. I'm so tired of trying to fight it. I'm so tired of trying to understand it. I can't deal with it anymore. You take it. And he said, okay. Took you long enough. My stubborn child that I love. Um, So I had to give it up so that I could fight properly. Um, And Jesus, he's our father. He's our savior. He's our healer. It's just some reminders for you guys. He's the one who hears us. He's the one who saves us. And he's the one who redeems us. Now, when you've got somebody like that in your corner, why would you not surrender it all, or cast it all on him so that he can help with that healing? Why would you not? So, how do we move forward from healing with anxiety? There's many, many things you can do. There's there's doctors, there's medications, There's different things that you can do, and it's different for everybody. So don't think this is a one-all. I'm just sharing from my personal experience and what I did, okay? For me, um, anxiety was not something that that you can heal from by being passive. It's going to require an active battle in order to overcome it. And I came up with three steps to help us do that identifying, acknowledge, and action. So identifying, for me that was the biggest thing because I am very stubborn. And so I went for a couple years, probably three years, 18, 19, 20. Probably three years before I even considered that my behavior was because of anxiety. Honestly, I thought it was just because I was getting old and I was like, I'm in pre-menopause. That's that's why I'm irritable, that's why I'm lashing out, real bad lashing out too. So I just chalked it up to that, I did not even consider that it could have been anxiety. So for me, that identification is what I needed to be able to start that healing process. Does that make sense? If you don't know what you're dealing with, you're not going to know how to deal with it. And I'm always the one that likes to know what I'm dealing with so that I can analyze and form the best plan. Anybody else like that? (laughs) I'm also the one, that, if we were ever in a tragedy, you follow me. I think, Crystal, I can't remember where we were going, but I was like, if something goes down on the plane, we have a warrior yell, and then, you know, something like that, and then we're going to know it's that time to get up and fight. That's that unresolved trauma (laughs) Um, that I can laugh about now. But identifying anxiety is your first step to healing, and if you don't know, like I said, what you're dealing with, you're not going to be able to heal from it. So how can we identify anxiety in our life? I would just encourage you to examine your life. Look at how you respond to things. Look at your emotions. Listen to your thoughts, look at your thoughts. And pay attention to how you are um, responding in stressful situations, challenging situations. Um, for me, I think my biggest identifier was work. I've always worked in a stressful environment. I'm in corporate America, so you know there's no give there. It's we, You work from eight to five, and then whenever we need you after the fact. And so for me, lashing out and being unprofessional was absolutely unacceptable. And I was doing that at work because I was so overwhelmed with everything going on. Um, Anxiety could look like severe irritability. Like so irritable for something that doesn't make sense. Normally, right? But like irritable. Um, lack of patience. There is no patience here. Um, being overwhelmed with daily tasks. This was a big one for me. Um, just something as simple as getting up and getting my nephew ready, feeding the animals, normal stuff that I did all the time, just overwhelmed me. Longing to be with friends, but being so mentally exhausted that I, I never went and hung out with them, right? It's like I need to be with friends, but I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like that mental stimulation. I'm so exhausted. Being critical of yourself because you believe others are critical of you. The dinner table in Italy after we were safe from the evil doctor. And that shame hit because I just knew my friends were there thinking bad thoughts about me. I'm sure they weren't. Difficulty concentrating. Again, this is one that I blamed on old age. (laughs) No offense to anybody out here that... um, is growing wiser and wiser by the day. Reacting and responding to difficult situations. Honestly, I always reacted. I never responded in a healthy way. Um, intense fear of failure. This is a big one for me. Um, and actually, all of these um, is what I experience with my anxiety. That's a lot, that's a lot, that's way a lot. And trying to get that under control was impossible by myself. I needed help. Um, the next one, acknowledging it. This is probably hard because you have to acknowledge to yourself that you have, I will say, an ailment, right? There's something going on in your body, and you've got to admit to it. You've got to acknowledge it. And the way that I see things like that is we can't ignore it. You've got to call it by its name. You need to face it. And that's really with any problem that you have going on in your life, with whether it's work, family members, personal stuff, that problem or that situation is not gonna go away until you face it, and, and face it for what it is and work through it. So again, we need to acknowledge anxiety. So you need to identify it. Do you have anxiety in your life? If so, what does it look like for you? Two, acknowledge it, and then three, act. Just like the scripture says, there's an action required on your part if you want to heal. Um, I think one of my favorite statements is, I don't know if this one has it up here on the next page, or no, you can leave it. But anxiety is a battle for your mind that impacts your body. So it's a battle in your mind that's also impacting your body. That's huge, because to me, I feel like it's debilitating if it's if it's real bad and out of control, right? Because you don't know which way to go, which way to handle. So I'm going to share with you guys some possible um, actions that you can take, super practical, um, that if you have experienced anxiety, can help you on your journey. Ready? Counseling. Counseling is great a counselor can help you get to that root cause it could be childhood trauma that has never been healed or resolved it could be a trauma that you experienced as an adult that you don't even know exists. a counselor a good counselor somebody that you feel comfortable with can help you realize all that stuff they're also going to be there for support they're going to be that person outside of your community outside of your tribe that's going to support you from a, a medical standpoint, if you will, and help you realize that, hey, you're not crazy. These are all valid feelings and emotions. Let's lay them out and let's sort them out and let's work on them, right? Exercise. This is a no-brainer, but it's super hard to do when you have anxiety and depression. Because you know in your brain that if you get on that treadmill or if you go work out at the gym, yeah. even for 15, 30 minutes, Your body's gonna feel different because your body will excrete those natural endorphins. But getting up on that equipment or going for a walk is super hard. And so I encourage you to do some type of exercise. It's easy, but it's not. The other is eat healthy foods. Food is fuel to our bodies and it matters what you put in it. I fuss at Crystal all the time for her diet coke addiction, but. You know i use kind of like the 80 20 rule 80 percent of what i eat is clean organic food and then there's 20 percent because i do like oreos right and i do like when you have uh young kids in the house they're not going to eat a kale and spinach salad i mean they might but you know they're they're going to want chicken nuggets and pizzas and stuff and so sometimes depending on the pizza i'm going to eat some pizza but it's a good rule that i follow it's not super strict so you still get to have good Southern meals if you like Southern food. The other one is renew your mind, and the Bible tells us to do that. And it sounds super easy, but again, this one's hard, and this takes time. It takes effort, and it takes a daily commitment. And I know you don't want to hear that if you have anxiety and you're overwhelmed with daily tasks anyway, but this one is better um, because you have God in your corner helping you through that. And what, what does that look like? Um, using scripture to combat your thoughts. This was a big one that I did, like I said, because your brain is racing in all of these directions, right? Every which way. If you're thinking about when am going to the grocery store, issues shoes are on my nerves, my pants are too tight, I don't like this girl at work, she's annoying. you got all of these thoughts going on, right? Why am I so mean? All these different things. When you pull out that scripture and combat those thoughts, God's power is in those words, and it will help you Get rid of those thoughts. How it helped me is to recognize those lies quicker, and then I was able to put them at his feet quicker versus, you know, meditating on them or mulling over them for a couple of days of feeling sorry for himself and feeling all these bad things, which were lies. So my immediate go-to now when I'm having a moment is I go to work. Um, taking those thoughts and putting them at Jesus' feet. So again, casting those lies, those negative thoughts, and putting them at his feet. This takes work, and guys, my sister has struggled with anxiety and depression almost her entire life. And it's, this sounds so simple, but it's a struggle. And it, it really does take his support, your, your friend's support, to be able to do that. And it sounds like, oh, I'm just gonna wake up and I'm gonna take these negative thoughts and put it at his feet. But it takes a commitment, and you, you're gonna fail, but you gotta get up the next day and try again, right? Don't stay where you are. Keep moving forward. Um, What I did, too, is put scripture on index cards. I hope that's what Crystal had, because I sure did forget to bring them. If not, you guys can just write it on paper, um, or, or you can get index cards yourself. But for me, that helped me. And I put them in my office, I put them in my bathroom, and I put them in my car. Any place where I was at throughout the day so that I could just move my eyes and see it, it was a good support for me because I didn't have to rely on my thinking to you know, encourage myself. I could just look and see the word right there, and I was encouraged. Does that make sense? All right. The next one, mindfulness. What does that mean? That really means being aware in the moment. You're being mindful of where you are in the moment. I really like this one. Um, it's it's part of my daily routine, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I pray and meditate for. 15 and 20 minutes, but I start the day with a prayer and meditation every day. It might be two minutes. It might be 15 minutes. It depends on when my dog wakes up because as soon as I'm on the yoga mat, he's right there with me. But prayer and meditation, it can look however you need it to look. You can listen to worship music. You can listen to the spoken word, the Bible. You can read. You can pray can sit in quiet. You can listen to the birds outside since springtime and they're up early in the morning. It's great. It's up to you. But I encourage you to practice it every day. The other is walking in nature. It sounds odd, doesn't it? But it's actually a thing because nature is full of good, positive energy. And when you're out in God's creation and you just sit, you are going to absorb all the good things. Looking at the trees, smelling all the grass, getting all that pollen in your nose. <laughs> don't go this time of year, but it's good to be out in nature, and moving, just simply moving, getting up out of your spot, taking a walk, walking around the house, shaking your arms, doing something to where you're moving and you're being active in your body, and the last thing is focused breathing, this is one of my favorites, um, and I think it's because it gives you an instant result, focused breathing is really just paying attention to how you breathe. And there's many different techniques. I'm going to share one with you tonight, and we're going to do it together. But what it does is it stimulates your parasympathetic nerve. And what that—I don't know exactly all the things that that big long work does. I just know it takes you out of that fight or flight stance, right? So if you are in that moment where you can feel that ink swelling up, practice breathing. Practice a focused breathing. For me, and I'll ask you guys to pay attention to how you're breathing right now. Are you taking in long, slow breaths? or are you taking in short, shallow breaths? Because that's how I was breathing when my anxiety was really bad at work. Like, I felt like I could not get a good breath. It's important to be able to breathe gauge your breathing. So, are you guys ready? This is gonna sound really weird too because of this mic, so it's gonna sound like really bad breathing, but it's all good. Maybe I'll just let you guys do it. So, I'll explain how it's gonna go. This is called box breathing. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna exhale to a count of four, and you're gonna hold your breath for a count of four, then you're gonna inhale for a count of four. So we're gonna do this twice and I'm gonna count this down, so all you guys do is sit there and breathe. You guys ready? All right, exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. How was that? Pretty neat, huh? I like it. So I encourage you guys this week as you're going about your week and you're studying a little bit to keep mindful of this. You have a worksheet that you can take on. Pay attention to kind of how your day's going and looking at your emotions just to see. Not everybody's going to have anxiety, but hopefully... This will help you on your journey to healing if you do suffer from anxiety. And I hope that you've learned something tonight. Thank you so much for letting me share my story. Um, You guys do have some questions to discuss at your table. And I thank you for your time. And I hope you guys have a great night.